You know, one of the things I love about that video and that song is just how it illustrated what only God can do with our brokenness. See, sometimes we get broken and we believe that there's no way we'll ever be back together. We'll never feel whole again. But yet, as just illustrated in that song, like God can put together and reclaim and revive that which is broken like no one else can. No matter how broken we are, no matter how many, no matter how many pieces our lives are in, God can make us beautiful again. And that is what we're celebrating today. My name is Kevin Valentine. I'm the lead pastor here. And you are here on a very special Sunday, and that's when we baptize people who have accepted Jesus into their life and are publicly declaring that I am now a follower of Jesus. And how that always begins, how people always find God and accept Jesus is with a gentle nudge or a whisper from God. And maybe that's why you're here this morning, is just because there's just been a little, little pressure in your heart that's just made you go, hey, I gotta go figure this piece of my life out. And that's just, it's just God. If you ever wonder how people come to know God and have a relationship with him, it's always because God has drawn them to himself. We find that Jesus is speaking in John 6, and he says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them pulls them in, opens their eyes, warms their heart, and I will raise them up at the last day. And I will just say this, some of you, God has been drawing you your whole life. And maybe today's the day you respond. Maybe today is the day that you finally go, okay, today's my day, I'm in. And because of that, um, you might not have planned on it, you might go home wet today. You might head out of here and you might, we're going to give you a t-shirt and a towel if you want to get baptized today and we're going to talk about that today. Um, and you, you're going to go home wet a little bit later because you're going to be baptized. And, and it's funny when you talk about that word baptism, um, a lot of people, I think they know it's significant. There's a religious connotation to it, but there's a lot of confusion about what it is, why we do it, how it works. And I, because I think over the years when it comes to baptism as a church, we have done a really poor job of being crystal clear about what baptism is. It reminds me of a story, maybe you heard this one, um, uh, you know, it's about a woman who would buy a ham and she would cut off both ends of the ham, throw it away, and then put the ham in the pot and cooked it. And one day her husband said, why do you always cut the ends of the ham off and throw it away? Because that's good meat. Like, why do you do that? And she says, are you telling me I don't know how to cook ham? And he's like, well, no, I don't think I'm saying that. But she's like, I know how to cook ham. And he's, he's like, well, why do you do it? Because that's what my mom did. And so he's like, well, fine. Okay, so he calls her mom. Hey, why do you cut the ends of the ham off? And she's like, well, because that's what my mom did. And so and her mother happened to be alive. And so he called the great-grandmother and said, said, hey, why do you cut the ends of the ham off before you cook it? And she says, my pan was too small. That's why she did it. I've found, for the most part, when it comes to the topic of baptism, it's kind of the same thing. People don't know what to think about it. People don't know what to believe about it because they've just heard something that's been passed down in their family from the church they went to, and most of it is our fault. I'll just take it on the church. We've done a very poor job of communicating it clearly. Does baptism get you into heaven? Do you have to be baptized to go to heaven? Should I baptize my infant? Why would an adult get baptized? Because usually that's for children or kids. Um, what does baptism mean? What is the significance of the water? Why do you put people all the way down under the water? Well, I'm hoping to clear up a lot of that up today. Um, when you read the New Testament, what you find is that baptism is something that is always coupled with putting your faith in Jesus. 
is hand and glove. All the examples we find in Scripture indicate that, that baptism is something that needs to happen when expressing your faith in Jesus Christ. And if that weren't enough, Jesus gives us a command right before he ascends to heaven. Um, these are his parting words to his closest followers. This is called the Great Commission for all believers. Matthew 28, 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so baptism, from a big picture, high-level view, it's a celebration of the freedom that anyone that accepts Jesus, that believes in Jesus, has. And I'll tell you this, our whole lives are about freedom. We love freedom. We want freedom. We want financial freedom. Um, we desire freedom from our jobs, so that's why a lot of us, we, over, we open our own company, so we don't have to have a boss. We want freedom in our jobs. We want freedom in our schedules. We want the ability to do whatever we want. We want freedom of our speech. If you're in high school, you want freedom from your parents rules, middle schoolers too. Um, my wife and I, years ago, um, on our anniversary, we went on a cruise and we ended up in the Grand Cayman Islands and everybody's doing their excursions and going in little groups. We ended up going to this little side shop and renting a scooter, um, which almost got us killed because you actually drive on the left side of the road and I didn't really drive scooters much at the time. Um, but we, we rented that. Why? We didn't want to do what everybody else wanted. We wanted to go explore the island on our own. We wanted our freedom. Well, here's where baptism kind of comes in. It's, a, it's about a deeper kind of freedom that all of us long for deep in our souls. And that is freedom from sin. Freedom from the baggage, the guilt, the sadness, the destruction, the distance from God, and the heartache that goes along with choosing our own way instead of God's. And that is what sin is. If you want to know it, super simple. Sin is choosing my own way over God's way, choosing what I know might not be the right way, but I really, 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 really want to do it, and I know what God wants to do, but I'm going to not choose his way. I'm going to choose my own. I'm in any facet of life. That is sin, and we want freedom from the destruction and the difficulties that choosing our own path bring into our lives. As you read uh, the, the, the Bible, every single person that became a follower of Jesus Christ, was baptized. Every single one of them, many of them, immediately. We see this in Acts 2. Um, Jesus had been seen by over 500 people, eyewitnesses to a resurrected Jesus after seeing him crucified on the cross and buried for three days. And, and he ascends into heaven. He says, he said, he, he's saying, hey, I am leaving you. And he leaves Goes back to heaven and suddenly the church is born in Acts 2. It's one of my favorite passages of scripture. Acts 2.38, the apostle Peter, lead, lead disciple of Jesus. He replied, he's speaking to a large group of people that are new to this whole church and Jesus movement. And he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off and for all whom the Lord our God will call, which is you and me. We're in here. Jesus is, or Peter is talking about us, whom the Lord our God will call in the future. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message about Jesus Christ were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 people baptized in the very first day of the church as we know it. In fact, that church was the beginning of what we're experiencing right here, right now. So in scripture, you believed, accepted the truth about Jesus, baptized. That's how it worked. 
part of the journey of any Christian is baptism. And so what I want to do is I want to give you three things that are at the core of what baptism is all about because we've done a poor job of explaining exactly what this means. And so here's the first thing. Baptism is a way for believers to show their identification with Christ. Baptism is a way for believers to show their identification with Christ. And here's the thing. We identify ourselves with people and things all the time. Um, The NFL draft just happened a week and a half ago. Um, uh, Tragically, I'm a Detroit Lions fan. It's a curse. Um, I think it's a sickness that I have. Um, We drafted two tight ends in the draft and then picked up two more on free agency. I don't know why you need that many tight ends, but we got four. Um, I hope they know what they're doing. Um, But did any of you watch the draft over last week? Okay. Oh, okay. Good. Decent amount. Mount, you guys, a few of you watch it. Well, here's what happens for those of you that didn't watch it. A team selects a player. They call the name of the player. And when the player walks up, they have a jersey of that team with his name already on the back of it. Like by the time he walks up to the podium, there's a name, uh, there's a jersey with his name on it. And I've always wondered, how do they get the name on the jersey so fast? Like what's the gig? Because they don't always know who they're drafting because they're, the guy they want might get picked before them. So they've got to be kind of on the, uh, uh, ready to go. And so I researched it. And here's what, here's what you, I'm going to teach you something that's really fun next time you watch the draft. In fact, some of you are going to watch it next year and go, that's how they do that. Um, they have a team of people in the back with these big presses. And they have every player's name in the draft printed in 32 different fonts because each team has their own font. And they keep it in a folder. And then they got a pile of jerseys sitting here for every team. Once a team selects a name, they have two minutes before Roger Goodell goes out on stage. And they have to find that player's name in the right font, find the right jersey, put it on the press, put the name in place, and press it down. And they've got 120 seconds to do it before Roger Goodell walks out and hands them the jersey. Now, why do they do that? Because they want to be identified with their team. And their team wants them to be identified with the team. Baptism is a symbol of who you are identified with, and that is Jesus. Um, It's also, it's like a wedding ring. Uh, This is a symbol of something that is very huge. This is a small ring, but it's a symbol of something very huge that my identity is coupled with my wife's. My name is Kevin Valentine. My wife's name is Melissa Valentine because we are identified as one, and the ring identifies that about us. This ring says, I'm not available. And I know this doesn't happen to many of you guys out there, um, but three or four times a day, a woman will come up to me and just say, are you available? And I will just say, no, I'm sorry, ma'am, I'm not. And then I show her that, and she goes away crying three or four times a day. Um, I am totally kidding. Uh, Contrary to popular belief, right? Um, That has never happened in my entire life, okay? Never. I don't even think people came up when I was a baby and said, cute baby. That didn't even happen. Like, not happening. But my ring says that my identity is wrapped up in, is shared with someone else. Baptism is a way that followers of Jesus identify themselves publicly with him. And they say, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I'm not ashamed of being a follower of his. I'm not ashamed of being called a child of God. And so I want to publicly identify with what he taught. I want to publicly acknowledge my relationship with him. And and I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but Jesus wants a relationship 
with you. He doesn't want you to follow a religion where you're checking off the boxes of things that you're to do so you can be right with God and he will, th- he will allow you into heaven. That's not what he wants. He doesn't want you to be religious. He doesn't want you to have head knowledge for you to think about him. He wants to be in relationship with you. And it's more than up here. It is whole life. One of the things that Jesus said that blew people away, he said, I am the bridegroom. Say that regularly. I am the bridegroom. Well, you know, what does that mean? Because I know some of you are like, okay, what's this bridegroom? I think I get that. Well, a Jewish person really knew what he was saying because he was speaking to a Jewish crowd. The Old Testament is full of references of God being the bridegroom who is coming to rescue and save his bride. And guess who the bride is in the New Testament? Who's the bride in the New Testament? It's the church. Who's the church? Us, we are the church. The church is not a building. The church is not an institution. The church is not a religious establishment. The church is actually you and I. The church is the bride. The church is the bride, and Jesus says, I'm coming to rescue my bride. It's Jesus saying, I want to have a relationship with you that is like a marriage. Now, what does it mean to have a relationship with Jesus that is like a marriage? Well, I'll just tell you this. I think about my marriage. Everything changes in a marriage. Just in my own life, I believe, I believe Melissa, my wife, she is beautiful. I adore her. I think she's amazing, and there's nothing you can do to change my mind on that. That's what I feel about her. I believe that. But up until the day we got married, I believed those things in my head about her, but it all changed on the day we got married. When we stood at the altar, and I said, I do, and I was just fingers crossed hoping she would say the same thing. When we're there, and she says, I do, the day we got married... And said, I will commit to you in the covenant of marriage my entire life till death do us part. Everything changed in our relationship. This woman that I believed in before, now I'm trusting with my life. And she's trusting me with hers. And we're going to alter the quality of each other's lives. And as we all know, that's for better or for worse sometimes, right? We're going to alter the quality of each other's lives through this thing called marriage. My identity went from me to we. In that moment, my identity went from me to we. Baptism identifies us with Jesus, just like a wedding ring identifies publicly that I'm with Melissa. And that covenant, like a marriage, marriage changes everything. With baptism, we say this is not just a head thing. This is not just a nice belief. This is not just a religious I'm a part of. This is a heart thing because I'm in relationship with Jesus. I'm committed to him. Baptism is identification with Jesus. Second thing baptism is, it is a proclamation of faith. It is a proclamation of faith. Now, there is a reason that baptisms in the Bible are always in public places. Not because they didn't have private pools. It's because baptism is supposed to be public. It's a public proclamation of what I believe, what I put my faith in, who I find my faith in, and what has happened because of that faith. In Romans 6, the Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament. He's talking about what happens when someone follows Jesus and makes him the CEO of their life. Romans 6, 3. Or do you know, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Jesus were baptized into his death? And I highlighted into his death. Let me just stop right there because he's getting into what baptism is symbolizing. The word in the Bible, baptize, is the word baptizo in the New Testament in Koine Greek. It literally means to dip. Those who were baptized when Paul wrote this are saying, my identity is now in Christ. I am connected to him with his death on the cross. 
Now, what does that mean? When someone repents, they turn from their old way of life and go in a different direction. We were literally heading this way. We talked about it last week. We headed this way. We repent. We go the other way. We were living for our life for ourselves. We were living um, our life for pleasure. We were living our life for our own advancement. And we turn from that life to a life following God. That's repentance. My old way of life is dead. My old way of life is a dead end. And so I'm buried with Jesus. That life is dead. It's crucified with him. And it's not turning from that life because you're caught. That's not why. It's because you're acknowledging that you realize that's a dead-end life, that it's not going to lead to what you want. And so you choose a different path. So people getting baptized today, we have eight to ten of them that are going to be baptized, maybe more because maybe some of you are going to join them. But what they're saying today, they're saying, they're saying what Jesus believes, I believe. They're saying what he says is the way to live. Uh, I believe that, that what he says is the way to live is the way I want to live my life. And I believe that that's the way to live my life. What he is about, I'm about. What he did and does, I'm going to do. I have faith in him. Um, Paul goes on in verse 4. Um, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So we put somebody under the water, what is that signifying that their old life and their old sin is washed away? Not with the water, but with the Holy Spirit of God. The water is symbolic of being dead and buried. That old way of life is dead and buried. So we put them all the way under, some for a really long time, depending on how they live their life. Um, so, and so the beauty of baptism is, 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 is this. It's saying I'm dying to everything that was wrong about me. I want to die to everything that was wrong with my life, and that life spent selfishly making choices for myself, doing life by my own rules. When someone gets baptized, they're saying, that life is dead. I have repented and turned I'm from a life of sin. I'm connecting with Jesus' death and burial. And then raising out of the water is symbolic of how we're now raised to new life. That dead life is gone. I now am living a new life. I am reborn. So you want to talk about that word born again, which people freak out about. You say, I'm a born again Christian. What does that mean? I am reborn. My old life is gone. I am a new person. I'm no longer unconsciously stumbling through life like a zombie. I know who I am. I know who I belong to and what I'm going to be about. There's a, there's a, there's a, a steadiness to following Jesus, because you know who you are in relationship with. Second Corinthians, Paul is writing again. He says, when, uh, when someone accepts Jesus, the old is gone, the new has come. Therefore, a brand new person has emerged, raised to new life, absolutely new with resurrection power. What does resurrection power mean? Because this is a big deal when it comes to following God. Verse 5, Paul is writing in Romans. We're going to pick up from there. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to that sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. And this points to a very, very deep and rich theology that any person who is baptized in Christ is dead to their old life and sin and risen to new resurrection life. And what does that look like? That you are no longer a slave to sin. You are no longer a slave to temptation. And this is super profound because what Paul is saying, before you were in Christ, before you accepted Christ, you may have gone to church. You may have even known the words to the songs. You may have even given a little bit here. But until you surrender to Jesus, you're a slave to sin. What does that mean? Sin is your master. 
You can't say no to it. You may have not wanted to sin. You may have not wanted to do what's wrong. You may have not wanted to give in, but sin is your master, meaning at some point you always give in. There's no other option. It eventually wins. And you hear people all the time, I want to stop doing this, but I can't. I want to give this up, but I can't. I know this is destroying my life, but I can't stop. It's because they're a slave to sin. We're powerless against sin without the power of Jesus. With the baptism of the Holy Spirit, once you are in Christ, you don't have to sin. It's the power of the resurrection life. You don't have to sin anymore. Now, do you still sin? Yes. Do you still struggle with sin? Absolutely. But you don't have to because sin, you now have a power over sin in your life that's given to you from your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, um, you can walk away from temptation. So here's the deal. Do we always walk away? No. Now, I'm a pastor. I never sin, but other people do. My kids don't sin. Not even my dog sins. I'm just kidding. Um, my dog's a sinner. I'm just telling you. He's a sinner. Um, he has this thing about ripping the guts out of pillows. It's like four. He's already ripped the guts out, and I want to rip his guts out, but I don't. Um, I pray that he will be saved someday. Um, but he, the, the, the other day, he's always doing stuff he doesn't, he isn't supposed to. Just uh, this last week, Melissa was out of town for three days, and I'm like, I'm playing Mr. Mom. I got this. I got my Mr. Mom apron on early, like Tuesday or Wednesday morning. I make four peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Sandwiches. I put their little snacks in the bag and I lay them all out on the counter so that when they wake up, I'm even awake before them. I, when they wake up, they can just grab their lunch, put it in the bag and go to school. Well, um, I got a meeting. I leave. I come back around 8 a.m. and my daughter Savannah is standing at the counter. Um, she is making a sandwich, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, well, you didn't make us sandwiches. I'm like, yes, I did. And she's like, no, I came down. There were just two bags of stuff on the counter because two of our, our two boys had already gone to high school. She's in middle school. And I'm like, I made two sandwiches. And she's like, there was nothing here when I came down. And I like sat there for a second and I'm like, that stinking dog. And I look over at Hank and he looks like he stole something, right? He's got his head hanging. He's looking at me like this. And so I'm just like, oh my gosh, that dog. And I'm like, Savannah, Hank ate the sandwiches. She's like, he did. She goes over and smells his face. His face smells like peanut butter. And I'm just like, Hank, you little sinner. You're going to hell. Like, that's just terrible. You better pray for yourself. Like, it's just like, that dog's a sinner, man. I'm telling you. But here's, here's the reality. Here's the news flash. We all sin. We're all wrong. We all go our own way. Even people that are, re are, you know, you would say, well, they're so religious and they're so close to Jesus still struggle with sin. We're imperfect. But here's the truth. If you are in Christ, you've accepted a relationship with him, you have the power to not sin. You have the power to not sin. That's what happens when you proclaim your faith in Jesus Christ. So baptism is an identification with Christ. It's a proclamation of faith. And then before I give you the third thing that baptism means, um, we're going to receive our offering. And so ushers, if you guys can go ahead and come on down. Um, this is the only part of the service, if you're here for the first time or visiting, um, this is the only part of the service that isn't for you. Um, we're just thrilled that you're here. Don't feel obligated to give in any way. Um, but for those of you that call Kensington home, this is where we give back to God from what he's blessed us with. And while we do it, we actually just say, thank you, Jesus, for providing for me. Thank you, God, for, for taking care of my needs before I even know that I have them. You have given to me so much that I'm going to give a portion back. And so thank you to those of you that are on mission with us and are, are, are willing to support us financially. So the third thing that baptism means and symbolizes is that those of us who are followers of Jesus can live with an anticipation of power in our lives. And I don't want this to be lost on you. 
We can live with an anticipation of power in our lives. Just touched on it a minute ago. But what is the power? It's the power of God to change us from the inside out, to make us whole, to make us fulfilled, and into who God has created us to be. You know, that's what God wants for you, is to just to make you into who he created you to be, the you that he dreamed up before you were born. He wants to make you into that. So when you come up out of the water after being baptized, you're saying, I'm now identified by Christ. My faith is in him. I am transformed. I am a new creature, not a better one. I'm a new creature. It leads to a radically different life because of the power of the Holy Spirit, God's spirit in your life. John the Baptist, um, he spoke about Jesus. He came before Jesus, and he was the one that was to declare that the Messiah was about to come to earth. And he starts talking about the life of Jesus and how it would dramatically affect his followers. And so John the Baptist, um, he baptized people in rivers. And so he's John the Baptizer. Matthew 3, verse 11, John says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. And he baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said before he descended to heaven to his disciples, he says, I'm leaving you, but I'm sending my spirit to dwell inside of you, my Holy Spirit to dwell inside of you. And Jesus says this in Acts 1 verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And the question is the power to do what? It's to testify about Jesus to other people. It's to say no to the temptation that is wreaking havoc in your life. It is to actually change from the inside out. It is the power to repent, the power to see the old life for what it is, the dead end that it is, and the power to turn, to go from death to life, from lost to found, from powerless to powerful, from no hope to actually hopeful about not only your future on this planet, but your future in heaven with Jesus the power to go from slave to free. And I will tell you, I have known people who are very skittish about the Jesus thing because they don't want to lose who they are if they become a Christian. They, they don't want to lose their personality or their identity. But in reality, when you finally choose to follow Jesus, what you find is you find who you truly are. You find who you truly have always been meant to be. You find your true identity for the first time because you finally ditch the masks that you've been wearing to disguise you that hide, that you hide behind and hide the real you. And, and you begin to embrace the actual identity of a loved son and daughter of the king. That's part of the change that Jesus brings. You No more masks. You don't have to hide. You don't have to pretend you're something you're not. You don't have to try and build yourself up so that you can feel good about yourself because your identity and your self-worth now comes from above. It comes from something supernatural. It is life-changing. And so baptism is about identification with Jesus. It's putting your name on the jersey, holding it up, and saying, I'm on the best team ever. It's proclamation. 
of your faith is proclaiming that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then it's living with an anticipation of God's power that is now available in your life. And so I'll just say this, maybe today is your day to go home wet and get baptized, to get baptized and go home wet. Maybe today is your day. Maybe you're a Christian and you have not yet publicly declared your faith in Jesus Christ as an adult. Maybe you did it as a child or as a young person. Your parents made the decision, but you haven't made the decision to get baptized. And you know right now, God is just like pressing on your heart. Just it's that nudge. It's that I need to do this now. And along with the, 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 I don't know, 10 or 12 people that are already getting baptized, you're going to join them today because God is just saying, today's your day. Do it now. And what we'll do is we'll give you a t-shirt and we'll give you a towel and you'll get your car seats wet, but they'll dry out, okay? It'll be okay by the time you get home. Maybe that's you. Today's your day. And I'm going to tell you what to do if that's you in just a few minutes. But maybe you're here today and you are ready to cross that line of faith and be transformed for the first time. You're ready to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know that God has been drawing you for a long time. And you have resisted. You have said no. You have held him off. But today's the day. Like you just know. It's like you can't deny it anymore. Today's your day to accept Jesus Christ. And so, so may I, you know, oftentimes in Acts 2, when someone would accept Jesus throughout the New Testament, accept Jesus, they'd get baptized. They'd go, where's water? Let's go do it right now. And so maybe that's you today. You're ready to cross the line of faith, and you're going, okay, let's do this. Where's water? It's right out there. We'll baptize you today. But I, before we do, I just want to give you the opportunity, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ, to accept him right now for the first time. And so would everybody in the room, would you just bow your head and close your eyes with me? And I'll just say this. If you want to be transformed by Jesus today and accept him for the first time, begin that relationship. I just want you to pray to him from your heart to his. You don't have to say this out loud. You can borrow my words. The words aren't important. It's the posture of your heart and the invitation of your soul opening the door to Jesus Christ. You can just borrow my words and say this to God. God, I want to thank you for loving Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I place my faith and my trust in him. I pray that you'll forgive me of my sins. And I pray that you'll give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face all the challenges I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. Make me new. Give me strength. Give me your power so I can be different tomorrow than I was yesterday. And for those of you that are in here, and I just want to pray for you while your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. If, if you've just been living your life and you're a Christian, you've accepted Jesus, but you've been living without power, you don't live with that anticipation of power in your life, I want to pray for you. Because God wants to reveal his power in your life right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for anyone here who is a child of yours already and isn't experiencing your resurrection power. Guiding and leading and giving them the strength to say no to the temptations that are wreaking havoc in their life. God, I pray that you would bring your power into their life right now and allow them to feel um, your loving hand. God, help them to realize what's available to them. And God, would you just show up in their life in miraculous ways starting today. Make them new again. Bring the freshness of the power of your Holy Spirit into their life. 
And Father, for those um, right now that uh, maybe they've been a Christian for a long time and today's their day to get baptized, would you give them strength to get baptized today? Lord, for any, anyone that just um, prayed a prayer of salvation for the first time, would you give them strength to get baptized today and join those who are getting baptized? In your holy name, amen.